we have, a, we have a, a car here that experts said was impossible, that experts said would never be made. Back in That's November, a, Elon Musk gathered in front of a crowd in Austin, Texas, to unveil Tesla's latest vehicle, the Cybertruck. It's a new electric pickup that looks like no other truck on the road today. At the event, the first models were delivered to a handful of overjoyed customers. I think it's, I think it's our best product. I think it's the most unique thing on the road. And finally, the future will look like the future. Well, I've watched a lot of these kinds of events over the years following Tesla. You know, events like this have, have become really an important part of, of who Tesla is as a company, right? Uh, bringing the faithful together and, and having Elon get up on stage and kind of hold a revival of some kind. It's, it's a really important part of how this company operates. Edward Niedermeyer is the author of Ludicrous, the unvarnished story of Tesla Motors. He's been following Tesla for years, and he's gotten used to events like this. But the Cybertruck in particular was highly anticipated. The truck was first announced four years ago, and people have been mocking it ever since. We have some footage of the pavement princess of the future. It turns out that Tesla Cybertruck looks just as bad in matte black as it does in its normal steel color. This thing looks like something out of Blade Runner. Musk says it's bulletproof. It seems to ride lower on the ground than what you'd expect with a pickup. There's a stainless steel exterior and a lot of sharp vertical edges. You know, in in some ways, it's a it's a throwback to a sort of 1980s wedge design style. And so the Cybertruck is this very triangular shaped, and it's got these really long straight lines and these really flat surfaces. It looks, in a lot of ways, it's a design that looks like people compare it to a low polygon model in a video game and very sort of you know sharp angles. Right. I saw someone, a car designer, say the Cybertruck is a, quote, low polygon joke that only exists in the fever dreams of Tesla fans that stands high on the smell of Elon Musk's flatulences. I mean, that's that's a good way to put it. Fundamentally, the the design is distinctive. And I think what what the Cybertruck's design shows is that Tesla is the company that makes things that are cool. And like for a long time, I think Elon Musk sort of had his finger on the pulse of of what was cool, what people were going to think was cool. With this, you know, he's imposing this very extreme version of what's cool. And I think, look, like, if you're a guy in your early 20s who has just sold your tech startup for billions of dollars, you know, like, there's, there's definitely a market for this vehicle. There are people who like the extremeness of the design, but... It really is, the way I would put it, it's, it's, it's a great meme, but it's kind of a terrible vehicle. But criticism of the Cybertruck is more than just memes. Now that these trucks are actually on the road, people have raised serious questions about safety. Some experts worry that a number of the car's features could be major hazards, like its hard exterior and sharp edges, just to name a few. Based on what you know, what we know, is the Cybertruck safe? I'll say for whom, right? That's that's sort of the question, and this is sort of always the question with 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 vehicles, right? Um, occupant safety is is one thing, uh, but then pedestrian safety, the safety of people outside the vehicle, is another question. So today on the show, after years of anticipation, the Cybertruck is finally here. Now what? I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about tech, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. Thank you. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Cybertruck was initially scheduled for a 2021 release date, but the first models didn't start going out to customers until that event last November. The price of the truck has also crept up in the year since it was announced. I think... You know, part of it is that it's an extreme design. Part of it is that it uses manufacturing methods that are not standard. COVID may well have been a factor, yes. Um, but but Tesla is always a company that is operating on a high wire. You know, uh, they're, they're, they're always juggling a million plates and they're always on the brink of bankruptcy, but also on the brink of, you know, domination of the industry if you look at their stock price. So uh, there's a million possible explanations for for why this has taken so long. But I do think that, you know, to some extent, what we're seeing is is sort of this legend that Tesla does everything better and faster all the time, always is sort of hitting the wall with this vehicle. And do we know, like, just practically speaking, like how many trucks have been released so far? Do you have like a sense of timeline for how many more will be released? Yeah, well, so, and this is the trick that Tesla pulls off every time they they introduce a new vehicle, right? Is is, you know, you do you have you invest in the fixed cost tooling to build these things, uh-huh. and that's a huge upfront investment, and then you you have to get production up and running in order to start amortizing that cost, right? And and this is why automakers spend time, you know, doing pre production runs and validation, and spend you know months and months essentially producing vehicles. Uh, and and do not start releasing them to customers until until they are actually at you know they they, they validated their their manufacturing the production process so that they can build these vehicles both at high quality but then also efficiently cost effectively. Tesla doesn't do that first. Prove that the machine that builds the machine, in their words, uh, uh, actually works before they start producing it. They kind of build the airplane as it's as it's flying, and so uh, it makes these production ramps incredibly unpredictable. It kind of reminds me, uh, it, it's less like um, a car maker, more like just a software maker, releasing cars in beta format, basically, um, limited release betas of cars, which is really unusual. I mean, these are things people have to drive and be safe in and, you know, you could die. I can't die on the latest release of Apple iOS 18 or something, hopefully. It is. It's it's really unusual and it creates all kinds of other challenges on the safety regulation side and and you know quality and service. What parts, you know, if they're constantly evolving the design, you know, how do they stock the parts? Um, and when you're making a car and you're building a production system in particular, you're talking about big investments in robots and welders and and, and talent and all kinds of other things um that that you just you you will never be as nimble as as you can be in software. And I think that that's one of the big lessons that again, like capital markets eventually are going to have to learn about Tesla is that 
you know, cars, no matter how much you want them to be software, they're never going to be software. They're always going to be one of the hardest forms of hardware. Yeah. So let's get into the hardware. Can you walk through some of the main safety concerns for both pedestrians and drivers? Maybe starting with the Cybertruck is made out of really hard stainless steel with sharp edges. That seems to be one of maybe like three top safety concerns, right? Yeah. So, so it's, I would say it's actually sort of one of the main ones. So you have the, you know, the angular design is itself sort of a, you know, creates these sharp edges and and things like that. But I think fundamentally it's, it's combining that angular design with, with these really hard metals, you know, for Musk, this is about, you know, spectacle, right. And, and having these hard metals, it's like, oh, this is the same material we're using on the Starship rocket ship. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a, it's a hype thing, right. This is also, you know, we can shoot it with a Tommy gun and it won't go through. We have all these like demonstrations that have nothing to do with how people actually use these vehicles. Right. But they look cool and they make for good spectacle. And uh, so modern vehicle design, it, there's actually a lot of mixed metal construction because when you engineer a car for for crashing, both for crashing into another vehicle, but also into a pedestrian, you want to use different materials because you want to essentially engineer how the car is going to sort of crumple. And essentially what happens is, is that by creating sections of the car that are designed to deform, it, it takes the energy of the crash and sort of disperses it, right? And by having this really super hard uh, stainless steel alloy exterior panels, essentially, and we've seen some, you know, crash test footage from, from the Cybertruck, and, and you can tell it doesn't do that. So, for example, the hood of a vehicle is usually engineered to, to crumple very, very easily, right? Because especially for pedestrians, you really want that to give way, because if it doesn't give way and disperse energy, right, the energy just transfers directly into the, into the pedestrian. Right. You want the hood to take the brunt of the, of the damage. That's right. And in the first footage that we've seen of the Cybertruck crash testing, we've seen something I've never seen in a vehicle before, which is that instead of crumpling, the hood sort of bows. And what mm -hmm. that's doing is it's storing the energy, uh -oh. right? So the so the vehicle hits the wall, the 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 hood comes up and it, and it bows in a in a sort of rounded bow form, and so it's like a spring, and then it releases. And what that means is that if it hits something that is not heavy enough, like a pedestrian, it just goes right through. Essentially, all of the mass, all of the energy transfers directly to the pedestrian, probably on that sort of sharp edge or corner. Um, and and that's that's not good for the pedestrian. The other thing, though, too, is that for the interior, you also want to have some give in the structure of the vehicle to protect the interior occupants as well, because it's about absorbing the energy. And when you have, when you optimize your design for just pure strength, you know, you're no longer absorbing the energy. And so it's a little bit different. It's more that the interior occupants get shaken around a lot more. So mm -hmm. there's more of a risk of like whiplash and things like that. I don't think there's, you know, I think the, the hardness, you know, protects the the, the occupants uh, from intrusions. I mean, he made the truck bulletproof. Y yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and so I think, you know, what this speaks to is sort of the whole design philosophy of Cybertruck, which is, engineering for spectacle rather than for actual use. And then of course, and this is where I'm like, is Cybertruck any worse than any other big truck? There's the size and the weight of the thing, which makes it kind of a menace as well. Is that worse than your typical electric truck or sort of in line with the dangers these vehicles now present to people? 
Yeah, I think the weight and mass are pretty comparable to other electric trucks. A lot of safety issues are not monocausal. In fact, it's very rare for a safety problem to have one sort of singular cause. It's usually it's the combination of factors. And so in this case, it's a combination of, yes, it's it's large, it's heavy. So you have that mass problem um, that you have with other trucks of all kinds, electric or not. Um, it, it's the, the wedge, the sharp wedge-shaped design, and then it's the super hard material. It's that combination. Any one of these things on their own, with maybe with the exception of the super hard steel, you know, is probably not going to create as much of a risk. It's, but when you bring all of these things together, I do think it, it, it presents a pretty unique risk. The first reported Cybertruck accident happened at the end of December in California, when a Toyota Corolla crossed lanes and hit a Cybertruck. Highway Patrol said the only injury, a minor one, was to the Tesla driver. What does that say to you? Does it say anything to you about the safety of the trucks? It does, at first glance, seem to confirm my my feeling that the safety issues are not just about, you know, pedestrians getting hit by this vehicle, that also this super hard approach to engineering the body structure, because the structure itself doesn't absorb the impact, then it will bounce off things. And mm-hmm. essentially, that energy, it's not being transferred directly into the occupants of the vehicle, but you can think of them as sort of more like dice in a, you know, in a box or something being shaken up. And so I think it makes sense to me that you will see in, in Cybertruck crashes that the occupants will have more issues with whiplash and things like that, whereas the danger to, to of course, pedestrians is much more, I think, sort of grave and and kind of grisly, potentially. When we come back, can regulators make the Cybertruck safer? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hearing about all these safety concerns, you sort of think to yourself like, well, surely regulators or someone who cares about car safety wouldn't have let this Cybertruck come to market if there are these many these many issues. Can you kind of like explain how uh, safety regulations play into the release and development of a new vehicle like this? I mean, hardly at all. <laughs> we have ah! what's called <laughs> we have what's called a self certification system in in this country. Um, so that's part of it, right? So so essentially, the automaker develops designs and develops this vehicle. They self certify that it passes all the relevant safety standards. And the regulators only check a certain percentage of vehicles after they've already been released. Um, so there's a certain element of, you know, our regulators are kind of always chasing the the horse that's already out the barn door yeah. uh, to this. There also are no pedestrian crash safety regulations in this country. We also have a, a strange situation in this country where the bigger and heavier the truck, certainly getting up into, you know, sort of delivery vehicles and some of these more sort of commercial oriented, um, there's actually less regulation the bigger and heavier these trucks get. 
and uh, and even even safety regulation, which is counterintuitive. I don't think yes. most Americans understand that. Um, but this is also one of these things where if you make a big a, a truck heavy enough, the standard for safety is actually slightly lower. Just to like underline this, it's completely the opposite of how we treat airplanes in the United States, which have to be cleared by regulators before they can fly. And that's part of the reason there was like only two deaths from airplane crashes, I think, for like a 10, maybe longer year stretch in the US. And meanwhile, people are dying all the time from from car crashes. It's sort of it's sort of mind-boggling. I mean, will regulators now be looking at the cyber truck? Are they now looking at the cyber truck? I, I don't know that they are. Um, I, I think that a lot of things that Tesla has done over the years have been things that regulators have, I think, failed to step up to. Um, I certainly when I think about autopilot. Autopilot is a is a driver assistance system that Tesla offers. Um, it's one that is highly automated. And so it it kind of fools people into thinking the car is driving itself. And Tesla's been sort of concealing this with a bunch of really misleading safety claims, statistical safety claims that when you go through them turn out to be not true at all. And and by 2018, the NTSB had investigated three separate crashes, fatal crashes, and concluded that autopilot was a direct contributor. The design of autopilot was a direct contributor to those crashes. And and regulators have done nothing. NHTSA, our safety regulator, has done nothing. And so I think Tesla's unique high-tech Silicon Valley approach is one that's really popular uh, with the public and I think that conceals the fact that it also allows them to essentially evade uh, a lot of regulation or just simply get into areas that regulators aren't even prepared to to step in and intervene on. So I wouldn't expect, you know, any kind of action soon on the Cybertruck safety issues. As a whole, I would say one of the things that I've learned following Tesla is just how vulnerable our auto safety regulatory system is. And NHTSA, by the way, is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. That's right. Um, and it sounds like even if they did start investigating the Cybertruck, it could be years before anything actually happens. That's right. And and as far as the pedestrian uh, safety issue goes, there's no standard to hold them to. So I think, you know, what we need to see is either rulemaking from NHTSA or, you know, legislation from Congress. And luckily, you know, in Europe, They've had these uh, these measures in place, you know, at least a decade, I think. Um, they've had these pedestrian uh, uh, crash standards in, in place. So we know how to do it. It's not a mystery, you know, what these standards could look like. And so I think mm-hmm. it would be relatively easy to put them in place, but that would require a rulemaking process at NHTSA or, or legislation. We reached out to Tesla for comment, but didn't hear back by recording time. So, I mean, to push back a little bit, because we've been really hard on the Cybertruck, is it really any worse than, say, other electric trucks? I mean, the electric Ford F-150 is also really, really heavy. Also, you're very high off the ground. It's very dangerous. Um, This has been discussed on other What Next TBD episodes. You know, these, these giant cars out on the road, these big trucks, electric or not, are causing more deaths right now is the Cybertruck. Is it just on trend, Ed? Well, I mean, in a way, yes. I mean, I think, you know, there's so much media coverage about the EV transition. It's amazing. We've got to, you know, almost 10% of the market is EVs now, and that's, that is really great progress. Uh, but the trend away from cars and towards larger and larger SUVs and trucks has been much, 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 much bigger. And the media really tends to ignore that. And I think that, these trends actually are very much kind of happening hand in hand. And I think that's one of my concerns about how we're pursuing electrification in this country. I mean, Elon Musk was talking about at this event, like this is the most revolutionary, futuristic, 
cyber truck ever. I mean, is it revolutionary? It's revolutionary in the sense that nobody else would do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and and for good reason. And again, you know, when you talk about developing, designing, developing, and producing a new vehicle, you're talking about billions of dollars in investment, right? And and there's sort of two schools of thought to product at a high level. And one is you study what people actually buy and you give the market what it's telling you it wants. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one is you come up with a bold vision of something that the market doesn't even know it wants and they all come to you. And mm -hmm. Elon Musk very clearly ha has this deep need and desire to step into sort of that Steve Jobs tradition of that second approach, right? Of, of I'm never, he never does market research. He never goes out and talks to people in the market segments that he's developing vehicles for. He, he relies on his innate sense of what is, what makes a good product. And I think to me, the big question out of all of this is, is this the point finally where, where inside Tesla, probably at the board level, it would have to happen where people start to say, you know what, Elon, you've taken this company real far. You've done a lot of good for us, but at some point we have to step in and, and, and kind of start growing up a little bit. Increasingly, people are talking about how these new, bigger vehicles, these big trucks are safety hazards. What does it mean that Tesla, this revolutionary, supposedly revolutionary car company is coming out with another one of these big hulking safety hazards? What does it say about Tesla and about this moment? Yeah, I think it reveals that Tesla, you know, Musk and Tesla have, have espoused various core values over the years, whether it's you know, pushing the limits of technology or, or environmentalism was sort of the early one. But I think what it shows is that really what Tesla's about is making things that, that Elon thinks are cool, right? And, and so I think like a big, flashy, unique looking cool truck, like if, if, he, if, it's, if he thinks it's cool and he wants to do it, then it's going to go forward. And I think safety is, is one of these other things that, that Tesla has sort of picked up over the years. And it's interesting, historically, Tesla really only started talking about safety after people started dying in autopilot-involved crashes. Um, and so I feel like there's always been a cynical element to Tesla's sort of professed you know, core value, like safety being a core value. That's like a lot of their professed core values. I think it, there's always been an element of cynicism to it. And I think that Cybertruck really reveals that. And I think that's what's fascinating about Cybertruck in general is that there's nowhere to hide with it. It's like it's like Tesla and Elon Musk released their id on the world and like you can't really sugarcoat any of it both whether it's the design and the quality problems, like the the myth that that Musk understands the market and what what people want better than anyone else. There's nowhere for that myth to hide. It, it's sort of revealing the truth that I've sort of seen all along at, at Tesla, which is it's it's a, a it's a hype train, you know? And this is sort of the hype train being taken to its logical conclusion. And I think it's no surprise that that safety is, is, is one of the big losers along the way. Ed, thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Edward Niedermeyer is the author of Ludicrous, the unvarnished story of Tesla Motors. And that's it for the show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell, Patrick Fort, and Anna Phillips. Our show is edited by Mia Armstrong-Lopez. Alicia Montgomery is Vice President of Audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. We'll be back next week with more episodes. I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary. 
And you can catch me on Slate Money every Saturday. Thanks for listening.